Welcome back to the Broadway block. How did you feel about the overtime shootout loss? There was a lot of good points in that game, and there was a lot of rough points. Like, the first period with, like, watching Trocek come in, give it, drop it to Laugh, Laugh just drops it to Panarin, boom, score, Jimmy Vesey in the right place for the first goal. There was a lot of good things, but then it just felt like that dreaded 3-0 lead that we've all seen before, and, you know, you got to keep it up for another 30 minutes of hockey, and it was rough. What did you think about that game and the previous big win against the Canes? Well, I mean, obviously Canes is huge. I, I felt like it was going to be a low-scoring affair. And, you know, they're a really good road team. Obviously, we are really kind of thinking that the Canes were going to come in and, and beat us. Plus, we had that long winning streak. So it's like, you know, you know we're going to have one soon. You do, you know, every, it's right. hockey given night. Getting these points now is going to be huge down the road. Any games that we lose, we got to drag it out to OT. And I said it last year, man, like this team has the potential to beat teams by a lot and lose by not very many. So as long as Shesterkin can come back healthy, obviously the team is seeing the effects of not having Adam Fox. And, you know, we're blessed a little bit that Trocek was able, like you said, to slot up and already have some pre-established line chemistry with Panarin and now Laugh, which we saw that line together for just a little bit last season. So interesting to see. We also saw you know, practice lines look like Capo. Caco is going to slide down to the third line and Wheeler is in his place, at least in practice. We'll see if that is the way that the lines go out for our next game. But that would be kind of a big decision to, to, to change because it's obviously in an effort to get Wheeler going. It's a little bit in an effort to get Capo going because he hasn't really produced a lot. But that line has only given up, I think, one goal or two goals. So it's like, you know, they're playing defensively, defensively. defensively strong. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see because I thought we were going to be okay. Like after seeing the first period going forward that we would control the game. And I think if we had, you know, Heedle out there, Igor maybe in net and Adam Fox, because I look at those three goals, they scored quick in the third and they were all because of defensive lapses and bad stuff that happened and not winning pucks when and giving multiple opportunities in front of quick with just... Like, Quick was having a great game, but, you know, there's only so much anybody can do out there. Um, So I'm hoping the Adam Fox thing is just a 10-day IR. Heedle, we don't really know. And Igor is even more of a mystery. Right. He was out in practice, and then he left practice. So, you know, hopefully it's all just in a precautionary manner because, obviously, he's such a huge part of the team. Fox is, is obviously a huge part of the team. And I think if you ask me, like before the season, like which would be like worse for the team. I, I think it's it's got to be Igor. And now that we're going through it, it's like Fox being down is one thing. But yeah, Igor going would be like the biggest crux, I guess. But, you know, quick, we saw have a good game. It looked like he was going to do the thing. And then, you know, we, st- we start tweeting out quick memes and then look what happens. He starts getting lit up and it's starting to look like maybe. Well, like I said, there was a lot of defensive lapses there right. where we just did not have anything going. But to your point, Igor would be more detrimental to the team that like down the line, we obviously would be hurting all year. We Would we go out like the Oilers, Stuart Skinner, Campbell? I don't think so. But that being said, we got to get everybody back and back and healthy because those holes like, you know, obviously we've seen with Wheeler, he got his first point off that Gustafson goal. So that was great to see. But the production hasn't been there. So it'd be great to see a little more offensive production for him going forward. 
because either either way, it's still a win with the contract, but he is taking up a slot there. You know, defensively, he looks strong. Yeah, it's it's hard because I don't. You can't replace Fox, but an injury kind of provides a chance for you to shuffle it a little bit. And we were really healthy, remarkably so, for the first ten games. So it's always interesting when this happens to see can they slot up to you know a first line power play role, or does it mean that we kind of limit some of that first line power play time Panarin was stepping up on that power play and shooting a lot more which like obviously we saw that redirect by Kreider at the end for the tie to bring us to overtime so Panarin was shooting a lot more than last year so if he can keep doing that because you know obviously with the power play going Adam Fox is like a key role in that he always shoots and then Kreider gets the redirect we get a second opportunity he sometimes says a lot of the times he's the point man on the power play. So that being said, we're going to need someone to step up in that role. And I felt like Panarin did a good job of that. Right. And we've already, that's kind of, you know, what he's already been doing this season too. So who knows, maybe, maybe as a, a veteran presence kind of leader goes down, then, then the rest of them have to kind of pick up the pace a little bit. But I mean, eight, two and one, man, we could be in a lot worse of a spot. I, feel like I just feel bad for Edel because I just feel like that happens every year. He gets a little going, even with training camp previous in the summer, like yeah. he gets momentum. He looks like he's doing better. And obviously he comes out and we see the flashes and he does great things on the ice. You know, right now is kind of a hard part too, because we're, we're playing well, you know, it's always, you know, there's never a good time for an injury, but you know, I'm, I'm eager to see what, this team does and how they respond because I mean, they came out of the gate, like you said, Well, it seems like, and, and we have some tough hockey ahead of us. Like, you know, we have the red wings coming up and they're in second place in the Atlantic. We got a great returning guest today. Tim Peel now started his own podcast with Jeremy Roenick snipes and stripes. There we go. Tim. What's going on boys. Right on, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Nice to have you, man. So since we last chatted, we were asking you at the end, what was next? And you didn't give us much, but you said something was in the works. Was that Snipes and Stripes? Was it yeah. son? Yeah, yeah, that was Snipes and Stripes with JR. So we're, uh, yeah, yeah, we're having some fun with it and show's going well. And yeah, it's it's fun. You know, he's a big personality. So he... Uh, He's, he was always fun watching on the ice. So now I'm like, he, his personality matches how he played. No, I watched, I showed, showed some old clips to my son Bronson of JR. Like, he was a warrior, man. He was not only skilled, like, he was a warrior playing with broken jaws and, and just, you know, he was a, he was a tremendous hockey player, you know. I'm I'm excited that you're, that you're up and rolling, man. It looks like it's been a huge success so far and looks yeah. like you're having fun with it. Yeah, I'm look. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, Wednesday's going to be good. We got a lot to talk about. You know, things, things with the league that I don't understand. Um, you know, what coach is going to get fired next? Who's going to replace him? What do you think is going to happen with the Sharks? You know, I put out there he's a glorified college coach, and a lot of people agreed with me. You know, um, they're not going to get rid of him. No, I mean he's the perfect guy to fall on the sword, right? It's like there's no yeah. consequence for him to not have any success. In fact, it's it's basically what everyone expects to happen. It feels like it's always kind of the same same teams are always bottom dwellers in the league. Like, you know, you see that with Arizona 
Ottawa. One that's shocking me this year is has anyone checked in on any Penguins fans? Because besides that San Jose game, it's been pretty rough down there. We obviously knew there would be some changeover, but we we talked previously before the season, and it was interesting the Eric Carlson trade coming over because we really didn't feel like they needed that, especially bringing another older veteran. So that's interesting to see with the Penguins. How do you feel about them this year, Tim? I'm surprised because they they brought in Riley Smith. They have Matt Nieto. They they brought in Carlson. I really thought, you know, because I still think that Sid's got a lot of gas left in the tank. Um, I think uh, Latang does. I think Malkin does. They're very well coached with Mike Sullivan. There aren't too many coaches in the NHL that are, that are any better than Mike Sullivan. And, but you know what? And you see it with Jersey. You see it with your team, with the Rangers. You see it with a lot of other teams. The Washington Capitals are the oldest team in the NHL at 31 years old. And the second oldest team is the Pittsburgh Penguins at 30 years old. And I just think that they're just too old to compete in this young NHL now. And I, I'm surprised. I, 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 it still surprises me. You know they're they're second last or last in the in the conference to to Columbus and I don't see it. They've played ten ten games, maybe eleven. I think it's ten. Ten games. I don't see anything changing. I think that's a pretty good indication of where they're going to be in 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 uh, twenty games, thirty games, and by and you guys know the stats by American Thanksgiving. I think it's eighty seven percent of teams that are in the playoffs make the playoffs and the other 13, 15% that aren't in the playoffs, they don't make it. And it's a, it's a crazy stat because, you know, we're only seven, eight weeks into the season, seven weeks into the season by, by the time American Thanksgiving starts, but it's tough to make up that ground. So I'm, I'm, I am definitely surprised. And, and uh, it's unfortunate because the league is a much better league when, you know, on a on a Sunday afternoon in the playoffs in the first round when Sid the kids in, in the playoffs, whether Ranger fans like him or not, you have to respect. You have I might to, disagree with you there on that one too. But you have to respect everything he's done for the he's team. He's done a lot. And I love I still love watching him. So And Sid is one of those guys that I mean, the day he hangs him up, I might actually shed a tear, but yeah. it's it's such a it's such a staple face of the league. But you mentioned that both him and Ovechkin the, with the Capitals, they are both kind of in this weird crossroads where they I think they owe it to the fans and to these guys to for the length of their career try to stay relevant. We saw the same thing like you mentioned with uh with Henrik Lundqvist and making a run and a push for it. Um, but at the end of the day, you have one of the best players that's ever done it, and you know the fans are still going to fill the seats. Um, but after they're gone, I mean, who's who's to say that the direction shouldn't change? And and maybe you know you use that as a natural way to kind of mention it right. to the fans, you know. But we've seen the yeah. moves already. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Washington because you know we saw Nick Backstrom he is he's taken some time off, and then I read a quote today from Brian McClellan, the the general manager of the Washington Capitals, and he said that. He didn't expect Nick to play anymore this season. So is that the end of his career? And if it is, that's unfortunate because Nick Backstrom is an elite player and was an elite player in this league and was a was a big reason, a contributing factor to why Alexander Ovechkin has scored so many goals because of, of uh, Nick's passing abilities. 
does does this uh, inhibit or does it hold Alex back in trying to break uh, Wayne Gretzky's record? He's certainly not scoring at the pace that he has the last couple of years. He doesn't have the team around him, as I alluded to a few minutes ago. They've got the oldest team in the league. And is he going to score 30 goals this year? I think right now he's got, what, two or three? It's so on Joe's fantasy gonna... team. So I want to Wait, you ready for this? He is on my <laughs> fantasy team. And I was just about to bring this up. I almost debated sitting him the other night because of his production. I'm like, am I really about to sit Alex Ovechkin and not? Yeah. How many goals does he have then? Two. Two. Two yeah. and six assists. Yeah. You know, that's uh, we're 10 games in, you know, that's, uh, that's on, he's on pace for a, uh, a 16 goal, um, 16 goal season. That's not good. You know, uh, two goals in two, two goals with, you know, has already played 10 or 11 games. So he's on, you know, is, is it possible for him to reach 30, you know, oh. without Nick Baxter in the lineup um, with an old team, they're not a very good team. They're obviously not going to make the playoffs. So it's going to be a challenge for him. Yeah. I, if I had to still put anybody uh, as possible with given the slow start, I mean, he has, made a remarkable career out of being that guy. So, I mean, I, I would uh, tend to agree with you. It brings me back to like the St. Louis Blues and their incredible run when they won the cup because you take a team that's, you know, maybe no identities, got a middle of the pack or maybe is performing, you know, poorly and then to just stand pat and not do anything. It takes a lot of gumption to kind of just trust the franchise that will figure it out. So I'd be interested to see if if we see them sell off or if we see them sort of, you know, stand by what what's what's gone so long. I think the Penguins are probably more likely to do that. But the Capitals last year shedded some salary. They've gotten rid of some players already. This is unfortunate timing, obviously, with Backstrom. Um, but it's such a weird um, league because you know if you're if you're making things happen, there's a lot of expectation. I need to make a push, and then the fan base is expecting a cup. And if you yeah. start to, you know, now it seems like what do you give a team two years before? you you know the fans are calling for it to be completely stripped down and rebuilt so you know th- it takes a lot i think for a, one of those middle of the pack teams to kind of realize where they truly are and you know whether or not it's worth mortgaging the future for for right now you know that you 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 mentioned the st louis blues those kind of stories only come around a lot of people don't know that st louis blues that year patty marin in january was sitting in the press box I'm good friends with Pat. I know, I know his brother very well. They're St. Louis guys. Um, Pat thought about retiring in January of that year. You had Sanford and, and uh, uh, Bortuzzo fighting at uh, at practice. They were struggling. They were the worst team in the league. When they brought up Bennington, they actually wanted to bring up Billy Huso, but Huso had, had got hurt and – Bennington was not on their radar, but they needed a goalie. They need to bring somebody up because I forget who was hurt up top. And they brought Bennington up, and then the rest rest is history. You know, he went on this magical run of uh, of you know I think they won nineteen of twenty games. It, it was it was remarkable. So we'll see. It's a long season, but uh, I think the first 10, 12 games are a good indication of where these teams are going to be at game eighty two. Well, we've certainly had a hot start. I mean, there's not much to pick apart as a Rangers fan. Obviously, we were just chatting before you joined us about 
kind of where we stand with some of these longer term injuries. It looks like Fox is going to miss some significant time, which is obviously going to be a huge test for for this kind of a group. But as you alluded to, when you start like this, you don't have to make up that ground later. And we as Rangers fans know exactly what it's like to have to think, oh, well, we only have to go seven and three and then they have to go, you know, four and six. So, you know, counting on yourself and not the rest of the league to give you some help, I think is is going to be huge for us in establishing that early, early momentum. Yeah, I said on, on our show the other day, Snipes and Stripes with, with Roenick, I said, he asked me about the Rangers. I said, it's remarkable. They went out west. They won five games. They went to Seattle, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Come home, win the first game at home. Coughed up a lead against Minnesota. They had a three-goal lead in that game. That's a game they should have won. At the end of the day, they're six zero and one in their in their last seven games. It's remarkable, but I'm not also not surprised because I love Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant is from the same part of the country I'm from in Canada, the East Coast, Prince Edward Island. Gerard Gallant is one of the nicest guys you'll you'll ever meet. The players love love playing for him. He's just a great guy, great human being. I don't know if he's really a systems guy. He's more you know, rah, rah, pump you up, you know, players coach. But in this day and age, you need a system. The players need a system to fall back on when things aren't going well. And the coach says, just stick to the system. We've got a good system. Stick to the system. And Peter Laviolette is a systems coach. He's a tremendous coach. He was a good coach in Washington. He was a good coach in in Nashville for a long time. Peter Laviolette is a great coach. Is he going to be there five, six years? He might be. But a lot of guys like Peter Laviolette, they wear out their welcome after three, four years. And that might be the case here, but it might not. But Peter Laviolette is a very good coach. He's a systems guy. He's an analytics guy. And the you can see the Rangers. I've watched a few of your games lately. They bought into his system. And it's translating into, into success for them. And, and now... The, these players see that and they're like, yeah, you know what? He's right. If we play this system, we're we're a tough team to beat. But you know what I like about them is their team toughness. And it's not so much about going out and starting fights. Like I really respected Lafreniere the other night with Ajo yeah. because I didn't like that play. I think Ajo should have been, been assessed a penalty on that play. The other end of the spectrum is the Toronto Maple Leafs in Boston the other night when Marshawn injures their defenseman Lilligren and Toronto doesn't do anything. And then they have to, that, that was on, I think Saturday or Friday. Then they have to, which blows my mind. They have to have a team meeting about team toughness and sticking up for guys. I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of a team saying we got to have a meeting about sticking up for each other. That's the most asinine thing that I've ever heard. But I'm also not surprised because that was that's been Toronto's uh, problem the last two or three years when it comes to the playoffs. They're not tough enough and hard enough to play in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I liked I liked uh, Lafreniere's passion the other night. I obviously love Truba how he plays, and I think that they've got that part of that element of their game that that a team like Toronto doesn't have. And the thing is, people go, well, you, that's what you brought Ryan Reeves in for. Ryan Reeves can't catch Brad Marchand. He's too slow to catch Brad Marchand. There's a reason Minnesota let, let go of him. 
Other teams have let go of Ryan Reeves. He he can't play 82 games, and he should only play about six, seven minutes a night. So at the end of the day, how effective are you if you're only playing six, seven minutes a night? You're really not going to have a big impact on the game. You guys had him in New York, and I think he was good for New York at the time because Panarin had got ragdolled by Tom Wilson. Everybody remembers that. Drury brings him in. That's what that team needed. But then Chris realizes you know what? We can't play him that much. He's a he's a detriment to our to our team. We can't we can't put him out there in key situations, and we can't play him that much because he's just not quick enough. Well, that was those were all good points because the, I've noticed the Rangers this year have been more aggressive. And I noted a couple of weeks ago on the episode that I said that we didn't even need, don't need Ryan Reeves anymore. We've been having people step up all, all year. Even Zabanajad has been hitting people. Another point that the Rangers are doing is we're clogging up the neutral zone. We're doing the systems. We're getting off on and off the ice a lot faster. We're winning um, face-offs because we've been atrocious for the last five years on face-offs. One question I wanted to ask you, Tim, was if there was something that would concern you about the Rangers or could be like a concern later down the season that you've seen from them so far, what would that be? Um, you know, maybe secondary scoring. You know, we see it in Edmonton right now. With their slow start, they really only have two good lines. You know, they, they they their third and fourth line stink in Edmonton. So it puts so much pressure on McDavid and Drysdale to perform every night. And then their defense isn't very good. You know, Darnell Nurse is making ten million bucks a year, and he should wear a mask every time he goes to the rink because he's stealing the money. Their, <laughs> their goaltending is subpar. I know your question was about the Rangers, but I look at the Rangers and I see their, what they have in their goaltending. I see, you know, their Keandre Miller, Truba, Adam Fox, Lindgren, Gustafson. They got a solid, solid team. I think, and I said this on our podcast with JR, what happened to them last year? I said, I think they brought in too many pieces at the end. They brought in Kane. They brought in... Tarasenko. Uh, um, Tarasenko. They brought in, I thought, felt too many pieces. You bring in three or four guys. That means guys that have been playing all year are now sitting in the press box. It disrupts the chemistry. And I just didn't like, I understand why he brought them in. He felt that, but it's, if you look at, at, at a trade at the trade deadline over the last 20 years, how many guys signed? at the trade deadline and have a huge impact in the playoffs, it is minimal at best. Minimal. You know, Ryan O'Reilly was probably Toronto's one of Toronto's best players in the playoffs, but not really points-wise, more defensively. It's really tough for a new player to come in. I, I saw it here in St. Louis with uh, Justin Falk. Justin Falk was a great player in Carolina. His first year here, he stunk. He stunk because it took him a year to get acclimated to his new teammates, new surroundings, new building, new dress room. And like we expect these players just to, oh, they got traded, boom, they're going to carry off, carry on and keep doing what they're doing. But they're also human beings and it takes them a while to get, like I said, acclimated to the new team. So you bring in a player at the trade deadline. You better make sure that it's the right fit because it can disrupt your entire team. And I think that's what happened with the Rangers last year. Right. And then you think about how much you forfeit to to make that happen. I think Tarasenko, if it was just Tarasenko, right, and and he's around to stay, I think a lot of Rangers fans would prefer to have him around. And now we see, 
you know, bringing in Wheeler, we aren't seeing that chemistry right away. And, you know, you kind of forget that, you know, guys like Vetrano that we've, we've let slip away, who's now, I think he had nine goals in his first nine games. And but there's a lot of guys that let Vetrano slip away. You know, I'm he's sure. a, he's a, he's a street goal, goal scorer. And now he's on a, he's on a hot streak. But right. what he did for team. us and what Tarasenko did the same thing was he shot first. And we have a lot of cuteness. We have a lot of threading the needle. And I think it sends a message. And I think to echo what you said about Reeves is that sometimes you just need somebody to change the culture a little bit and whether or not they're part of the personnel moving forward. I think Reeves being here really set a message of this team will be hard to play against and you're not going to just come in here and roll on us. And we're really highly skilled. So you're not just going to come in here and open up the game left and right. And, you know, it sets a message moving forward. You bring in a guy like that, that starts to shoot all of a sudden guys are taking odd angle shots and they're not all going to be pretty on the way to winning a cup, but that's what you need to be a depth scorer. And to your point, the Rangers depth scoring has been kind of a question mark and we see it with the top two lines getting a little bit of chemistry, but having that depth is the only way that you're going to win down the road. Yeah, it is. And it's a great point you brought up. You see it all around the league. Um, you've got to have depth scoring. The perfect team that I think right now that is built to win and it doesn't happen very often, win back-to-back Stanley Cups is the Vegas Golden Knights. They've got so they've got four solid lines. They've got so much depth. They get scoring from their third and fourth line. They've got a tremendous back end. I think their smallest defenseman is Alec Martinez at 6-2. They made Aiden Hill look like you know Patrick War, you know, in your days or the Ranger days, John Van Beesbrook or Mike Richter. Like they they made this guy and he's a very solid goaltender, but nobody had ever heard of him really before the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you definitely need secondary scoring. You need support from your third and fourth lines, or at least keep them at bay that when you go out there, when that third and fourth line goes out there, you cannot get scored upon. That's the biggest thing. So, but I like the Rangers. I, I think they're going to have a tremendous year. They're off to a great start, and uh, it's it's always good. It's always good when New York is in is good. It's good for the league when the Rangers are one of the top teams in the league. It's good for TV ratings. It's just good for everybody. It's the same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs and certain teams in the NHL. We need the New York Rangers to be good in this league. Well, man, thank you so much for joining us again. I can't tell you how much it is a pleasure to have you on. And if you guys haven't checked out the Snipes and Stripes podcast with Jeremy Roenick and Tim Peel, make sure you do so. We'll have some links in the description for you. But thanks again, brother. We'll have to do it again. Always a pleasure, Tim. You're always welcome back. Uh, Anytime. uh, You know, New York was, you know, it was one of my, it was my top, that and Montreal were my favorite buildings to work in. I loved working in New York. I loved the fans. And I just, I love New York. So I wish the Ranger fans all the best and and we'll do this again, maybe uh, in the new year. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Cheers, brother. Thank you.